I just have two big points, big ideas that I want us to have lodged in our mind. There's lots of things that we can say about about this, about Jonah, about this book. Lots and lots of really helpful lessons that we can pick out. But there's just two things that I want to zero in on. Jonah's prayer and repentance is found in Jonah chapter 2. His prayer and repentance. And then Nineveh's prayer and repentance is found in Jonah chapter 3. And those are the two big ideas that I just want us to have when we think of Jonah and we think of all the things that we can learn about Jonah. I believe that the the central, the focal point of the book of Jonah is Jonah chapter 2. The revival is wonderful. Uh, The fact that a great city came to the Lord is wonderful. Um, The the entire episode of Jonah fleeing from the Lord in in Jonah chapter 1 is is very instructive. But I believe that the, 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 the focus, the heart of the book is Jonah chapter 2 where Jonah offers up his prayer, and you see Jonah's repentance. And I believe that no matter what else that we want to desire as far as revival, as far as uh, the awakening or seeing the salvation of souls even, I believe that what God is interested in is God's people getting right with himself. God's own people. That seems to be the the central heart and the story of this entire book. The revival is, if I can say it this way, it's almost secondary to the fact that God was working in Jonah and Jonah himself needed to have a spirit of prayer and a spirit of repentance. And it's only when Jonah repents that Nineveh is able to repent. The order has to be right. God's people, judgment must begin first at the house of God. And it's only when God's people, if my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, repent, turn from their evil ways, then you have Jonah chapter 3. You have the repentance of Nineveh. But the two big ideas, like I say, Jonah's prayer and repentance And you see that in chapter 2, where it says, Then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. When did Jonah pray? When he was in the belly of the whale. After he had suffered affliction from the Lord. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. And all of chapter 1 is, is, is sort of setting the stage for um, getting us to this point in chapter 2 where Jonah is finally praying. And this is what we're doing here, I, I trust. I, I trust that we are understanding the importance of Jonah chapter 2 in our own experience, the place of prayer and the place of repentance. And then you have... And, Jonah chapter 3, verse 8, where the king is declaring this, this decree, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. 
There's the prayer of Nineveh. Cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way, from the violence that is in their hands. There's the repentance. So, again, simple. Jonah's prayer and repentance, and then Nineveh's prayer and repentance. And I just want to make a couple of sort of footnotes or considerations for our own encouragement and how how we can apply this to ourselves. The first thing is, Nineveh was a great and wicked city. It was exceeding great. It says that there in verse 3, chapter 3, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. In chapter 1, verse 2, it says, "The, The wickedness of that city, that great city, is come up before the Lord. It's a wicked city. And it was a, a exceeding great city. In fact, history tells us that uh, Nineveh was the greatest city in the ancient world. And of course, it was the capital of Assyria, which was the greatest nation at that time. So you have the greatest city and the greatest nation. 120,000 people living within its walls. It was a great city. And how does that apply today? Well, we look at our cities, we look at our nation, and uh, we think, we may think to ourselves that it's too big, it's too great, the wickedness is too great, and even just the scale of it is too great. Yes, maybe we can see God working, maybe God can work in the small little towns and villages, but not in the great cities, he can't do that. Well, uh, Nineveh was the greatest of all cities, it was the greatest city could anyone have imagined that Nineveh, that great and wicked city, would have come to repentance? Even in our day, we look at America, we look at the UK, we look at Canada, these great nations, they don't need God, they mock God, and, and God's people can, can sort of cower in unbelief and say, well, I don't know if God can actually do that. Yes, he can. He's proven it. He's actually done it in the past, and he can do it again. Is anything too hard for the Lord? So Nineveh was a great city, and it was wicked, as we see in our day. Um, the second thing I'd like to say, the consideration is, it, God didn't owe Nineveh anything. I think that's really fascinating, that there is no real significance of this revival in Nineveh in, say, redemptive history. There's no real significance of this revival in, say, the eschatological puzzle pieces that we try to put together, or in any scriptural promise or prophecy. This is, this is such an unusual situation where you have this heathen city, this great city, that the Lord is pleased to save and revive and, or send repentance. And... And yet, there is no significance as far as the uh, scriptural um, timeline. And sometimes I've heard it said, you know, God's not going to send a revival because I don't see it anywhere in, in the Bible. I don't see that promise. I don't see the prophecy of it. I don't see how it fits. And I'm not here to be a prophet or anything, but I, I just, I still will pray for a revival, even if I can't fit it into the timeline or to the uh, puzzle pieces and prophecy that I see in Scripture, I will still pray because in wrath, God can remember mercy. And even in a city like this, he didn't own Nineveh anything. 
In fact, God continued, went on to continue the, the next generation to destroy the city. So that it was on a path of destruction. There's no doubt about that uh, because of their wickedness. But, but he in mercy decided to uh, save a generation in that city. And that's what we're praying for as well. God doesn't owe America anything. He doesn't owe, the, or owe Canada or the UK anything. He doesn't. And sure, maybe you can't see it in, in, in prophecy. But doesn't mean that God still can't, in sovereignty and pure mercy, send us a revival. Third thing I'll say is that he, God, used a disobedient and imperfect prophet with the simplest of means to bring about the single greatest revival that we have recorded in history. That's encouraging. I mean, that's encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging to you because he uses, he used a really a disobedient prophet, very imperfect, shall we say prayerless, even a prayerless prophet. In chapter 1, verse 6, the, the, uh, the shipmaster is telling Jonah, Hey, pray, pray, O sleeper, arise, call upon thy God. Why are you sleeping? You need to be praying. The ungodly are telling God's people to pray. Um, and this was Jonah. Prayerless, fearful, maybe prejudiced, certainly disobedient. He uses, God uses the imperfect with the simplest of means. So it wasn't this big campaign Jonah had. He just went out there and started preaching. And what a work God did through the simplest of means. God is pleased to use means. He, he does use means, but he'll use even the simplest of means. And I'll just close with this, 1 Corinthians 1.27. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. That's us, to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world. That's us, to confound the things which are mighty. Friend, believe it. And the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen us and us. Yea, and things which are not, in other words, nothing, to bring to not, to nothing, things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. God will use a disobedient prophet. He will use the nobodies and the nothings and the foolish and the weak like us. May he use us, may he use our prayers, our weak prayers, our feeble prayers, but our prayers of repentance to see a great, a great revival, perhaps that the world has yet to see. Amen. Amen.